Welcome to Moot, the podcast where mistakes are guaranteed and our point is moot. I am your host, Jeremy, and with us is Joe. Hello. And today we are going to do another kind of Norway American comparison and talk about police because, yeah, <laughs> I think it's a good one. Yeah, yeah. J- Jeremy's uh, been saying, like, oh, you are gonna, this is gonna destroy your faith in the US. No, 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 no. Yeah, no. He's, he's really, really trying to like create homegrown terrorists, by the way. God, uh, he's no. really going for it. Mm. He is not happy with the way that the free world is being run and he wants to bring it down. I mean, that's true. That's not true. That, so, there's <laughs> <laughs> some. Uh, all right, let's. Um, no, but he did say I was going to get shocked and appalled. And I do believe him because every time he said that so far, he's been completely on the money. <laughs> I just think I just think you'll be surprised at how our cops are run, that's all. Oh, I've heard a lot of bad things about your cops already, by the way. I mean, like the George Floyd thing was all over like the news last year. Yeah. Now I'm oh. gonna take I'm gonna take you back. I've I've been reading a couple books and listening to some podcasts and I have some cool information that I think you might enjoy. I feel it's... like it's gonna it's gonna be depressing, isn't it? Okay, let's start off with Norwegian cops. Let's talk about your your police because I don't know anything about your police force except that they train for like longer, a year or something. No, three years. Three years. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Training? Yeah, because they, they have to have they have to have a training, they have to have education, and also uh, they do have to spend a long, like at least a year, working uh, at the desk before they're allowed to roam the streets. Really? Yes. Not even like handing out tickets or writing up people too close to the curb. No, no, handing out tickets isn't like we don't have traffic cops in Norway. There's not a, that. That's not a thing. What? Uh, what we have like people. People sit by the roads. They sit like because we have long ass roads in this long ass country. So they sit in their cars with like a little, like uh, you you got guys have that too. You know, it's like a little the speed scanner radiation thing. beam. Yeah, that's the thing. Yeah, yeah, a little beam. And then if uh, if you speed, uh, they'll like tell you not to, uh, and give you a ticket. Uh, but they, I don't think they even do that that much. Like uh, they don't really stop you. They just kind of like if they catch you on the thing, you get a ticket in the mail. Oh, yeah, because wow. like there's no point in them like chasing you down. Like that, that's meaningless. So um, yeah, <laughs> you just get like yeah, you know. Because if they chase you down, then everyone else can speed after that point, can't they? Yeah. What about the implication that, or or what about what about the person who's speeding, hurting somebody or winding up in a bad situation because nobody stopped them? Uh, I haven't even thought about that. Uh, Is that a concern? I guess, again, I guess they might stop you if you drive really, really recklessly. But most people don't do that in Norway because we have very strict rules, like. Uh, a thing uh, that's important to remember in Norway is that with your car, you are automatically the guilty party. Even if that person, you hit that person because they jumped off a bridge in front of you and you had no way of knowing. <laughs> well, that seems unfair. Like if I commit suicide off a bridge and land on somebody's it, car, the driver's fault? It isn't, but the like in a court... It's obviously not your fault. We're not stupid, right? Yeah. It's just that 
until the evidence is on the table, you are you are the guilty party. Like you have an uphill battle. You have to prove your innocence in this case. Gotcha. Yeah, uh, because uh, we would rather err on the side of the soft uh, vehicle, like the pedestrian, the, than uh, we we call it name myke trafikanter, uh, soft <laughs> traffickants. There's no word for it that I know. Uh, people in the road. You know, you have hard people in the road, soft people in the road. It's cars versus humans. Uh, and on foot, uh, the court immediately gives you, like, the, the, the advantage. Okay. Because okay. you're obviously the one who took the most damage, right? Sure. Um, and so people are very careful when they drive. And I noticed, I, I like, never noticed this before I lived in England. I noticed so much fucking shit living in England. There, the fucking cars drive fucking fast next to bi- like bicyclists like cyclists they'll, they'll speed up next to them sometimes if the driver's pissy to try and scare them or they drive really close to them to get them off the road I mean it's in the north of England so people are assholes up there but you know uh, <clears throat> yeah I think I think we have that too yeah that <laughs> no one does that in Norway uh, and I did my, my girlfriend at the time was the one who noticed it and pointed it out for me because we were riding bikes in Norway, right? Like she was over here for the summer. And she was kind of shocked because she was scared of riding bikes by the road. But she was very comfortable when she noticed that all the cars gave her two meters of space because they drove like they slowed down, like to the half speed. And then they drove to the middle of the road to pass her, even though we were on the edge of the road. Jesus, that's polite. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it's, it's just the way you learn. Because when you learn to drive in Norway, uh, like they... they tell you that like the driving teachers the drivers ads people so in other words what you're saying is the system is set up in a way to mitigate the number of interactions you have to have with cops yeah yeah basically uh all our laws are kind of like that like a, a lot of our laws while we are a very heavily regulated country as everyone knows um we we do have a lot of like common sense stuff like a lot of uh our laws aren't strict like they they usually end uh with like uh uh or, or what's reasonable you know uh the words or what's reasonable like uh we have something called allemansrätten every man's right um and that is the right to uh engage with nature um on your own premises as long as you respect nature right so if i own a forest which i might own right sure I do not. I, I. I. I can't tell you not to camp in that forest. If I do that, I'm breaking the law. I can't call the cops and say, "Oh, there's some kids camping in the forest." The cops are going to say, "Are they respecting the forest? You know, are they throwing trash? Are they cutting down trees they're not supposed to be cutting down?" And if they don't, I'll have to say no. And the cops will say, "Well, you know, tell tell me when they do." You know, where where I I grew up in in a in a place where every single there, there are a bunch of woods behind me and yeah. all privately owned sections of it and most people put up all sorts of no trespassing signs all over their property because otherwise hunters would come through and like you know shoot but uh, you would definitely get arrested for trespassing or <laughs> or someone would just might shoot at you jesus <laughs> christ yeah that that's that's uh not legal to do here 
private. I mean, it's it's not technically legal to shoot at someone, but there are others. There are yeah. others out there. Yeah. No, no. So the 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 law thing I was telling you about. Yeah. Sorry. Stunned by the shooting thing a little bit. Um, the law thing is like Allemans uh, retten. I don't remember exactly how it's phrased, but it's basically saying that you can camp anywhere you want uh, as long as you respect the environment uh, and you're at least 50 meters away from someone's private house or what's reasonable, it says at the end there. So if I'm 40 meters from your house because the terrain is a little iffy, uh, it doesn't matter. You know, it's, it's not reasonable for me to be 50 meters away. 40 is the reasonable amount here, right? Okay. So the law doesn't apply to me then. But uh, if I were to go like 10 meters within your house because the train sucks, then it's not reasonable anymore. Then I have to find another place to camp because now I'm so close to your house, I'm disturbing you. Okay. And that's basically like a lot of our laws are like that. Like they have a kind of or what's reasonable at the end of the law. So that you can interpret it uh, within reason. How then? How do you view cops? Like, what, what are the stereotypes there? The stereotypes for cops in Norway is, um, of course, it depends uh, a little bit on a, your uh, milieu, you know, your environment. Sure. Uh, like, if you're if you if you like to shoot up, you know, you're not going to be very happy with cops. <laughs> uh, but in general, people uh, are very comfortable on cops. You know? Uh, I don't know. Like, comfortable is like, you, obviously, you don't want to break rules around. Uh, so, you know, you wouldn't invite one to a party unless it's a close friend. Uh, but actually, you might invite them to a party. Why the fuck wouldn't you? <laughs> in, in general, in general, people are kind of like, cops are just people. You don't view them as that special. I mean, Norwegian cops have an exceptionally scary uniform. Um, but, you know, they're Norwegians. They're friendly people. And, you know, we are a few people. So we don't really have that whole thing where you oppress people for the fun of it. Right? Uh, let me find you a picture of a Norwegian cop so you can kind of tell what I, oh, what I mean. That is worth the Google search. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, our, our cops look a little bit like, like they look like the people you would see in like a dystopian movie. Uh, a little bit. Yeah, here's another one. They, they, look, they look kind of SWAT, you know. Yeah, that's the thing, right? They're, they're like halfway between, it looks like it's halfway between like a SWAT uniform and a regular police outfit. Yeah, all the black makes me feel... Like they look a little bit like Nazis. Those you know? boots don't help. <laughs> they don't. They don't. Their uniform the generally looks. <laughs> their uniform generally looks a little, a little scary, uh, but they aren't scary. You know, they're just peeps. Uh, Everybody listening right now is also googling what cop uniforms look like in your country. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if you say say you're driving in the car. And you've, you've done nothing wrong. You've broken no laws. You're just driving the car. And a police officer is driving right, right behind you, same lane, and they don't move for a while. Does that, like, stress you no. out at all? Does that stress no. the driver out? You're, you're, you're going to be extra aware that you don't want to be speeding. 
but uh, it's not going to stress you out unless you have like drugs in your car, I guess. Yeah. You know? Hmm. That's interesting. I don't, I don't think, I don't want to say that it's a universal experience for Americans, but I think a lot of Americans, if a, if a cop's behind them, even if they're doing nothing wrong, a lot of Americans feel stress. And yeah. I, wonder, I wonder, I've always wondered if that was like uniquely American, if you're in America and cops are the type of aura that they've spent time constructing. Um. I don't. I, I can't speak for anyone else. On obviously, but I, I know that in England, I was nervous around the police. Were you? Yeah, but that's. I wasn't at first because at first I was just thinking like, just they're cops like ours, right? Yeah. But then I was accosted by one and uh, uncomfortable around them after that. That's. I, I remember talking about that. Yeah. Oh god, I was really shaken after that. And nothing bad happened to me. It's just. You know, as an authority figure, he grabbed me from behind and he yelled at me. Uh, and he was being kind of threatening. And then when, you know, I was foreign, right? It was, I wasn't English. So I'm more likely to write a complaint about him, right? Yeah. Well, we, we talked then, about this on the podcast before. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we did. We did. I, f- I totally forget what we talk about. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Essentially, the guy, yeah, he was... Uh, it was a bit douchey and it made me, it made me uncomfortable. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. I, I don't know. Are they, how do they, how do cops interact with drugs? What's their. Oh, actually cops and drugs in Norway is actually a bit of a problem. Okay. Uh, so? uh, I've heard uh, that uh, they, <sighs> I gotta, I gotta work my English through here. Cause I'm looking at pictures of these fucking cops right now. I am so easily distracted. Stop, stop, look, close the pictures. I closed them, I closed them. Okay, I'm looking at a picture of a face instead. This is good. He sent uh, me like 10 pictures on Discord. Yeah, I don't stop. <laughs> uh, no, um, they, they, have a, they have a nasty habit of uh, acquiring evidence illegally in Norway. And uh, we don't have the thing that you do where that evidence is thrown out in court. Interesting, you don't. Yeah. We don't have that, and that's a thing we should have that you guys have. That's cool. Now, we have been discussing that lately, like uh, in the news and stuff, because now they're talking about uh, getting that rule. Because technically, we have it in our rules, but it's not, it's not enforced in court. Like every now and then, uh, when someone like if there's an especially egregious breach of like your human rights to acquire the evidence or something, right? Yeah. Then they might throw out the evidence. Might. Okay. So they just, they, the, the court system just views all evidence as evidence. doesn't matter where you got it. Exactly. Because it's like, uh, well, because the sense thing I talked to you about uh, a little earlier, like uh, with the trees and stuff, like uh, we have like, we, if it makes if within reason, you know, yeah. Unfortunately, yeah. that is not as idyllic as it sounds because it goes both ways, right? Like, if you have uh, illegal drugs or you know some some you have something you've done something you're not supposed to do, and the police have evidence of it because they just kind of barged into your house and just went through your shit, and they found it, then you can say, well, you know, they they weren't supposed to be in my house. I didn't let them in. I didn't say they could take that, and then the judge says. 
that's okay but you did actually have drugs you know they like they so uh and, and like if if the cops get punished it's going to be minimally you know they usually don't see consequences for those kind of things if if they bring evidence back they'll get confidences like consequences if they uh you know come up empty handed of course because so, then they, so they can face consequences they can absolutely they can face pretty dire consequences but as long as they haven't like done anything like they haven't harmed anyone and they actually did solve a case or something like that or they got like evidence then they're fine like obviously they can't they can't harm you like if they like start like hitting you to get you to show stuff then they themselves are going to jail right um <laughs> so <laughs> but uh, if they were to just like frisk you and uh, you know it doesn't matter if it's an illegal search if they yeah we're using this as evidence <laughs> yeah in, in America they could just take your stuff and not charge you with anything and keep it <laughs> yeah well, that's I think that's that's a smart cop <laughs> that's free drugs right there <laughs> Oh, it's not drugs. They'll, they can take your house, your cars, your your They're your house. How how money. how do they how do they how do they bring it with them? Well, well, they evict you. Is what they do. How can so, they do that? There was a there's there was a woman. Uh, her name was Elizabeth James, and she was retired, and she was raising kids, and she was caring for a developmentally disabled sister and doing all this stuff. And so she, her life was kind of crazy. And she didn't realize her son was involved in drugs. And the police were trying to put the squeeze on this kid. And they evicted her from the house. And this was her nephew. This wasn't even her son. This was her nephew that was staying with her. So they, they, while they were putting the squeeze on this kid, they evicted the aunt and forfeited the house. And the thing is, when they did, when they evicted her, they didn't even allege that she knew about her nephew's activities, that she was involved with the drugs in any way. They just evicted her without giving a reason. And what they wanted her to do was testify against her nephew. And so she fought this for a year and a half, but she wasn't allowed to live on the property. And she wound up having to uh, $70,000 in legal bills crop up so she eventually testified against her nephew to get her house back but she was still out the seventy thousand from fighting the, the fighting it in court jesus fucking christ okay yeah they the cops cannot do that here there was Holy a, shit <laughs> I, have, I have more examples I, I honestly i honestly am a little shocked that they can do that there i thought that that sounds very north korean to me <laughs> well, jesus this was there was a guy uh that was driving he was a he owned a taco truck and he was traveling and he had he had ten thousand dollars in cash that he had made from his business his very legal business that he had all the, all the paperwork for he had no drugs on him uh there was no evidence of any crime of any kind but he got pulled over and the cops found this ten thousand dollars and just took it just didn't give it back to him. No reason. No reason to take it. They didn't even give one. They just they just took the money. <laughs> wow, that is that is just theft. Yes, yes. Civil civil asset for, forfeiture is just 
is just theft. That's all it is. Digital asset forfeiture. Yes. It, That's, that is a very pretty way to say theft. In the last, in the last 20 years, how much money and how much property and, and money do you think was seized? In the last 20 years from oh, American God. citizens, mind you, most of this comes from poor people. Uh, it's going to be some ridiculous number because you have such a large country. You fucking Americans always like to overdo things. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's a little racist, but it's uh, it's going to be a crazy number. You, you built it up. What is it? Is it like a billion dollars? 36 and a half billion. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. I said that to get ahead. <laughs> I said that to beat you. I thought it was going to be like some stupid amount of millions. In the last in the last twenty years, it thirty six and a half billion. Yeah, I don't believe it. From you went overboard you went from nine, from, from, from 1999 to, from 1999 to 2019 it was 36 and a half billion you don't have that much money no one does <laughs> stupid you're making well, shit up here's here's a kicker there's a there's an additional rule that's pretty fun it's called the equitable sharing program and it's oh, is this gonna be like they can take your kids and your kidneys if you don't like actually just for fun no, but it is a way to screw over states that are trying to help use civil asset forfeiture for things like roads and schools. <laughs> so <laughs> why would they do that? So check it out. The equitable sharing program says that under civil asset forfeiture, the Justice Department can send 80% of what was seized back to the law enforcement that, that got the money. So, so they can just steal it. So basically, yeah, so this is, this is what happens. In several states, actually, have laws that say uh, money needs to go, forfeited, all the forfeited money goes to schools. And those states are Missouri, Indiana, Maine, Maryland, North Carolina, South Dakota, Ohio, and Vermont. But thanks to the equitable sharing program, they only see 20%. The other 80% goes back to the departments that seize the funds. That's stupid. <laughs> i'm sorry i'm sorry that is just stupid and oh it gets better a lot of the civil the, the the money that's that's stolen this they this police departments use it to buy military grade equipment from the army that the army's not using anymore oh for fuck's sake <laughs> oh, it's even easier i can steal even more now because i got a tank to carry my loot you remember you remember the ferguson pro protests no Okay, well, it, it, it was in it was in Missouri. Um, it was another you know tragic police crime um, that, that that resulted in protests. Uh, uh, this, so anyway, St. Louis County Police Department used $170,000 in in forf forfeited civil asset asset forfeiture money to buy a ballistic engineered armored response vehicle. It's a tactical army vehicle. And the, the, the same county spent $400,000 to buy helicopter equipment. They spent, the, the Missouri Highway Patrol, the, the Missouri Highway Patrol spent more than 2 million in forfeited funds on vehicles between 2010 and 2014. 
and most of that was on was military grade stuff. <laughs> I, I don't even know what to say, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what? What? Why? What is the meaning of having police if they steal? Well, this this is why I wanted to have this episode because there's America's police history is rooted in this. It's it's actually kind of crazy. So like why would you have why would you allow there to be police if they steal from you? Why aren't people just saying like no, we are more than them, so let's just kill them all? Because police in America have never have have been thugs since basically the beginning. Yeah, but I'm just shocked that people allow it to happen. Because like, like, and and the the system is designed. I'm just way. I'm just so shocked that there isn't just like a big neighborhood that whenever there's a police that goes in, like a police person goes in there, they just get sniped because you have so many guns in the country anyway, right? <laughs> I'm just shocked that like every skyscraper in New York City doesn't just snipe cops on the street if they Be- steal from you like this this fucking blatantly. Because because the retribution would be by police departments would be swift and violent probably. Yeah, but I also don't think like you can't you can't have retribution if everyone just started sniping at you. Like how we, I, I suppose I, if everybody collectively immediately started sniping cops, that would I mean that would wipe them out, right? It, that like, would wipe them out, but that's obviously that's never going to happen. You'd have to like first of all, that'd be a vile thing to do, and and. It just, would be a vile thing to do, but it's also a vile thing to do to just like openly steal from people and keep it like loot. <laughs> oh, I know. This is, this is what bandits do. You know, they go out, they steal from people, then they buy a bunch of new fucking weapons so they can be more effective at stealing from people. Oh, our cops are not even, they don't even have to, the cops in our country don't even have to respond to a crime. Like they can show up watch you getting mugged and not get involved and, and they won't get in trouble. Oh, you would be in prison for doing that if you were a cop here. No, it was it was a federal court case. So there was this court case. It was called Warren versus the District of Columbia. And it was this horrible thing in the 80s. So there's this house with three women in it and one had her four-year-old daughter in there. And these two guys broke into the house and started gang raping the one woman with the one with the four-year-old daughter in the room the other two women the other two women called the cops went out onto the roof the cops uh, one cop showed up and like knocked on the door and just kind of left another cop showed up and and from the roof they're shouting there's men in the house they just left and then they the men eventually wound up kidnapping all three of the women brought them to this place where for 14 straight hours they basically just gang raped them they robbed them and they beat that they beat them horribly and when these women got out they sued the police department and the the um, district of columbia they sued them and it went up to the supreme court and the supreme court in a five or in a four three decision decided that that the, the, the cops had no duty to intervene, that they didn't have to get involved. And since then, there have been more and more cases that have come up that has solidified that in case law. Like more events. I, have- uh, I am, I am, I am so fucking disgusted. Oh yeah, that's- honestly, I, I I don't even know what to say to this. I'm just so fucking disgusted. 
It's vile. I, I honestly have no way how to like properly react to this shit. Like, oh god, oh, I'm trying to process it. Like, isn't isn't the motto to protect and serve? Oh, oh yeah! I'm so happy you said that. So check this out. The view of cops has always been very bad in this country. If you go back before the 1960s, well, I can I, I can get I, I get why. <laughs> oh. I can understand why. Well, I can't even wait to deep dive into this. So, Jeez. in in the, they, they had an image problem. Let's say being gentle gentle about it. And in the early 60s, the civil rights protests were raging, and of course, they were being vilified as 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 rioters. So the police could beat them excessively and and kill them and shoot into crowds and stuff. So to combat their image problem, they had. They, they basically hired PR firms to figure out how they could change the image of a, the cop in America. And in a school contest, and it was in 1963, there were cadets in this police academy that were asked to come up with uh, a, a catchy slogan for the, for the police department. And someone submitted protect and serve. And this was in, this was in Los Angeles. And the, the LAPD thought it was such a great slogan, they started using it. And their police chief reached out to other police departments and became kind of like a nationwide, like caught fire as a police motto, protect and serve. But if, if you're saying like, do pragmatically, do they have to help? Absolutely not. Do, are they, are they forced to? The Supreme Court has said recent, just as recently as 20, uh, 2018, there was another case that went to that, uh, was real high profile and again the police didn't intervene terrible things happened but they they were let go they were said the, the court said you don't have to do you don't have to intervene so every time this happens the court system is solidifying this this it, in the rule book the police are, are actually necessary they don't have to protect and serve it's just a catchy slogan that's been used and thrown on tv and of course part of uh, making the police image better, uh, they 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 published a lot of like pro police children's books. Started having policemen on things like Sesame Street to be like, "Yay, this is our cop, and this is he's protecting the community." And it like became about protection. But they don't actually have to. And depending on who you are, it's pretty much guaranteed that they probably won't. Okay, so the the whole defund the police thing. I, uh, I, I, I just like I, I know it is that it didn't actually mean literally defund the police. <laughs> yeah, it's not. But a great, it's not I, a I am, I am actually hugely in favor of it literally meaning defund the police right now. <laughs> I literally don't think these should, people should have their jobs, because from what it sounds like to me, they're just fucking bandits that can't be prosecuted. That's essentially it. I mean, they have qualified immunity, so most of yeah. The so uh, honest, honestly, just defund them. Like, if they want to be bandits, have them be bandits, <laughs> and then people can shoot them, you know, as they please. Well, if this is the alternative to the Wild West. The Wild West seems preferable. <laughs> what the fuck? The the defend the police thing. I mean, yeah, they mean they mean retraining. Uh, Retrain the police, I guess, isn't as catchy or whatever. Although defund the police has certainly caused problems in discussing this. I know, but I, I, I think it should mean defund the police. 
can't. Honestly, I think it should mean drag the police out and burn them in effigies, but forget the effigies, just use the actual cops. The, the Camden Police Department a few years ago fired their entire police department. And what they did was they had them reapply for their own jobs and they didn't hire a whole bunch of them because some, several of them were like white supremacists. Several of them were just like lazy. Others were grifters. And so they, they rebuilt their police department using a combination of like social workers and, and, and some of the older cops that were more reliable. And they're, the number of incidents the department has had has gone way down. And that their training has focused on like de-escalation and, uh, you know, when it's appropriate to use violence mostly to defend yourself, you know, that kind of stuff. And yeah. it's helped quite a bit. Well. Oh my God, for fuck's sake. Let's, let's reset this real quick. I'm going to do the sponsor and then I want to tell you about the history of, of the police in the United States because you're going to love it. Uh, I don't want to hear about this. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. This is not- this is not fun. Welcome to our world. Oh, I'm so I don't sorry. like your world. Right. I'm but, sorry. I don't want your world. You can keep it. Build a wall around your world. <laughs> We're gonna I make it. It was a dumb idea. Paper. It isn't a dumb idea anymore. It's fine. <laughs> Barbecue and fireworks, man. Okay, you do have really cool stuff too. <laughs> US has a lot of cool stuff. I mean we're like we export like 80% of the world's entertainment so there's that too just awesome. that's the thing right my my vision of america has always been oh it's such a fun place to be right <laughs> politics are a little aggressive but you know if you're not into politics you're going to have a great time in america <laughs> that's actually probably tr- well as long as you also have a good job and are in a good location and not white but if you america is a pretty good place for a lot of people and i think that's kind of the problem with politics is that because a lot of people have a have it, you know, a pretty decent life. Uh, discussing these really ridiculous, obscene things that we put up with politically, or at least the fallout of of our political structure. You know, like healthcare and, and the the criminal justice system and cops in general, like all those those big issue things. They're they're structural, but if you're not affected by them it's easy to ignore and pretend like oh it's not that big of a deal and so it's interesting talking to somebody like you from another country who li- who listens to this and goes wait that is a big deal why are you talking about it jesus <laughs> it's not even a big deal it's 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 like a, it's like an existential crisis you have fucking bandits roaming your streets and like they're supposed to be there <laughs> right yeah, yeah like, protect and serve is just a catchy slogan. It's like living in some kind of weird, I don't even know. It's just like the Wild West, but it's not the Wild West, because at least then you're supposed to be like, oh, bandits got to my farm, better grab my shotgun, you know? <laughs> you know, that's what I get from the movies at least, right? Yeah. Now it's like, ah, oh, bandits got to my farm, better not piss them off while they kill me and watch me get raped. <laughs> oh, well... Actually, their involvement with criminals is interesting. Okay, let me do the, let me do the sponsor, and then then we'll get to the history because okay, okay. it's Who awesome. Wants to sponsor this? Well, the today's episode is sponsored by the original soundtrack for the musical Cops Doing Stuff. Cops Doing Stuff is an existential musical romp that follows Jeb as he works his beat in Salt Lake City. Order the soundtrack today and get a free bonus disc containing over thirty hours of overly aggressive traffic stops. 
listen to Broadway classics such as, do you know how fast you were going? My hand hurts a bit, you must have quit, and jaywalking. And of course, that Billboard Top 100 mainstream breakout hit, no, it's not illegal what they did to you, Grandma. It's called civil asset forfeiture. Get cops doing stuff today. <laughs> oh, God. So That's so sad. <laughs> it's so sad. So, Why does it have to be so sad? Modern, modern police in America are... Even the concept of like a uniformed wearing officer is kind of new. Because for a long time, the idea, because you got to remember America, even though we were founded in 1776, there were people that were living here hundreds of years. And the way it worked for, for most of at least white people living on the eastern half of America was this idea of public spirit. And public spirit was a volunteer system that like you volunteer to take care of your own territory, the place you live, the town you live in, whatever. And you know, public spirit could mean anything. You could you could go to a town and they had like, you know, one town might have their way of doing things. Another town might have another way of doing things. Laws might be different depending on where you're at. You may go out to like a holler with like 10 people living in, tw- in a 20 mile area. And like, there's just one guy that took it, took it upon himself to be the, the constable of the area. And he would just be some crazy loon that would follow you through the woods as you walked through. Um, but public spirit, you know, there, there weren't formal cops, so you just had to kind of take care of your own things. And there was a constable. So there, so there were the, the structure, the hierarchy for this. There was a Night's Watch, you know, Game of Thrones style, but not really. And then there was a constable. The Night Watch were volunteers that would kind of sign up for a weekend or a week or a month or whatever the system was. They would sign up for a period of time and, you know, you would take care of if people were drunk in the streets or you there was prostitution or gambling or something like you would be sent to help root that out and essentially trying to get people to conform to like puritan values and then there was the constable and the constable was in most places one a one-year position but it was unpaid and it's not very popular to enforce laws so most people didn't want to do it however Constables, especially after America was founded, but it was, this was going on before, uh, constables realized that it could be very, very profitable if they had side hustles. And so in addition to uh, you know, just kind of keeping order in the streets, they started doing like contract work. So they would, they would go and they, they would find someone who has been robbed and be like, hey, if I find your stuff back, guess what? Uh, can I have half of it? And the rich guy would be like, sure. Yeah, whatever. That way I don't have to go do this and I'll probably never see it again anyway. So the constable would go take care of that. But what wound up happening in practice was the constable would go to the thief because he knew who the thief was. And he would say, hey, give me that stuff back and I'll split half of my profits with you. So the thief would give the property back to the co- the constable. The constable would go back to the owner of the property and say, "Here you go. Can I have my share?" Rich guy would pay him, and they'd split. And the constable would split it with the thief. Very few thieves are arrested by constables. Constables weren't interested in like stacking prisons because that wasn't profitable to them. 
they would do is they'd work with thieves to set up marks, rob the guy, and then kind of work it out amongst themselves. It was kind of almost like a form of insurance and extortion. Jesus Christ. So th this, these were like, the, this is like the earliest stage of, of policing. And there was another thing that, that kind of cropped up and they were slave patrols. This is the other half. It's not of, even really police officers though. That's just like the fucking, hey, that is what police officers are, isn't it? There's like the guards of whoever is the king in the area. Yes, yes. And king decides these are the laws. And then he sends out fucking men who uphold those rules. Well, the wealthy, the wealthy are important in this because at first the constables were kind of like stealing from the wealthy with thieves. So what the wealth, what the wealthy said was, what we need to do is have a formal police force that we can control. And so they started paying to have their own cops in towns. And right, and it was around this time also when, when you know, like plantation owners would have would would hire a bunch of cops, so nobody would come on their property and steal crop. They're like, you know what? You can also go round up slaves that try to run away. So, especially in the South, but although this was everywhere, there were there were slave patrols, which were uh, bands of men that would capture slaves and bring them back to their plantation, or they would be paid for by a plantation owner to keep peace on the plantation and go capture slaves sometimes they wouldn't you know they just go capture other people's slaves and bring them back like oh well we have Bob is that now. why is that why the cops in the u.s has such a fucking hard on for attacking black people um is it just like is there genetic memory for an organization i i actually you know what i <laughs> genetic memory is what would you call that would you call it memetic memory i think it's like, a good way to think about it because when people say that you know racism is caked into America's DNA, that's what they're talking about. They're talking about this this tradition of America's tradition is to oppress poor and black people and it, minorities of all stripes. Like I don't want to say that you know because because every group that's tried to assimilate in America has had a terrible time: Chinese, Jewish people, Catholics, Irish, Irish Catholics, whatever. I mean they they just People don't have an easy time assimilating here specifically. I guess it depends, I guess it depends on which minority you belong to, right? It it does sort like of... if you're if you're if the minority you are your minority is called millionaires, then you're probably fine. If <laughs> you're minority well, yeah. But that's the that's the only minority group that's respected in America. <laughs> no, no, I'm sure that billionaires get their fair due too. <laughs> yeah, but isn't that like the 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 square rectangle thing? Like all billionaires are millionaires, but not all. Are millionaires. you going to ask me to do math? No, you don't have to do math. That's not going to go well for any, anyone involved. <laughs> you shouldn't be doing stuff like this, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so, so, so the wealthy had started buying these like patrol guys, and then they said, "You know what? Why are we paying for this? We don't have to pay for this." And by the 1800s. The, the wealthy the, the wealthy class of, of Americans were demanding that there there were public police forces things that taxpayers paid for so that that way they wouldn't have to fund these these patrols and it worked it, you know publicly funded sheriffs you know they, they took the constable idea and just moved it to you know 
as if it's in public interest. I mean, not, not that it ever was. They didn't even really pretend early on. I mean, they, they, I mean, the first thing that, that these organized police started doing, now we're in like the mid 1800s, was they would be beating people for loitering or they would be attacking the working class. Um, there, there was a point where um, in the pre-union era where people were working like six days a week, 12 hours a day. And it was anytime somebody would get out of line, sometimes the police would just drag a worker off and you would never see them again. Other times they would just come in. If there was unrest, they just, they just used the unrest as an excuse to beat them. Jesus Christ. <laughs> it was in, by the mid 1800s, the Democratic Party, which, you know, was basically the Republican Party flipped back then. Um, the Democratic Party realized the Irish as a minority was a potential to get votes. And so they started establishing the Irish in giving, encouraging them to enter the police force. So there's a stereotype in America called the paddy wagon, which was basically, oh, I, all Irish are criminals, you know, throw them onto the paddy wagon and cart them off to jail. And within half a generation, five to 10 years, the Democratic Party managed to change the Irish stereotype from like lawless criminals that are here to take your jobs to uh, cops and like gruff working class. And I think, I think I've seen that in like movies or like Simpson episodes when they're trying to show old timey stuff from like 1920s or something. Yeah. It's always like a some ginger cop. Yeah. Like he's just whistling down the road singing Sora, Laura, Laura, you know? Right, exactly. And that's that that is where this comes from. And, and the interesting part is culturally, because at this time, um, when, when you're talking the mid to late 1800s, most of the biggest local politics affected people way more than, than state or, or federal in most cases, unless there's like, you know, a civil war. Most of the time it was local politics that, that, that led things. So if you were a mayor or a ward rep or a city councilman, you usually had control of the entire area. So you probably owned the... Uh, a tavern you probably owned a prostitution and gambling den of some kind you probably owned several of the local businesses and you owned the police force so if it was a if it was in, in some cases they would be like half public publicly funded by taxpayers and half private or full private and you would own the police which means if the police were going to they're not going to bust your prostitution ring. They're not going to bust your gambling den because they're yours. They're your cops. And co the, the cop image was so bad. They were basically seen the same as like a pimp or a drug dealer because that those were the people they were hanging out with. And if, if someone else came into the town and started dealing drugs or trying to, you know, bring their prostitutes in like a gang defending their turf, the cops were the ones that would go after them to Jeez. run them off, run them out of town. So cops of this time, they were described just basically just an enforcer for a fucking mob. Yeah, no, they, 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 they very rarely 
they didn't spend much of their time actually protecting anybody. Definitely not the poor. What they did do, they're described during this time as taking payoffs. They would stuff ballot boxes and intimidate voters to help keep the politicians in power. They would walk around, drink on duty. They were quick to use force. A lot of them just bought their own guns, even though at the time there was no like you know, cops weren't really supposed to carry their own carry guns and they, and a, a department wouldn't buy guns for their officers. They would just go out and get their own. Um, and during this time, what's an interesting part about this, this is an important part of America's zeitgeist, like it's cultural fabric. What is, is zeitgeist, by the way? I hear this word all the time, but I've never understood what it means. It's, it's like the, the, uh, it's, it's like a feeling or a part of culture that is in like uh superheroes are part of america's zeitgeist right now you know superhero movies have been oh okay okay i I, I got it Um, so it's like uh, it's like uh that's in the the current fad yeah it's kind of a fad it's also kind of yeah it's it it doesn't have to be a fad it can be like even if, if it's like a permanent thing people really like all the time like Yes. it's just zeitgeist just means that it's in like it's contemporary yeah it's it's at the it's at the the, the front of their consciousness and okay okay now i understand what people say when they say something is zeitgeistic yeah so in the in the late 1800s one of the big things that came out of this idea uh so so cops started being used to beat up criminals and usually uh, after the Irish were were passed over as like the immigrant to be crapped on at the time, although they still were, they they never kind of really got out of that until the mid twentieth century. But uh, cops started using this idea that the that the poor are lawless, and a, a big thing that the wealthy tried to impress upon America's citizens were that there were subclasses that were more likely to do crime, that that, that violence is the only way you can take care of them, turn the other cheek, you know, don't, don't worry about it. And cops were seen as going after criminals. Wait, wait, what, what turned the other cheek? That doesn't seem like it fits with all the stuff you just listed that people shouldn't worry that you should turn the other cheek when say a a Jewish guy is being beaten to death in the street by a cop. Ignore, don't worry about what the cops are doing. Oh, Jesus Christ. Oh, that, that's not turn the other cheek. That's, you know, that's a monkey. That's those monkeys. See no evil, hear no evil, you know? Yeah. 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 And you, you know those three monkeys? Like I, this is a huge diversion, but like uh, digression. But that that is why I'm here, Jeremy. Um, <laughs> you know those three monkeys? The like uh, hear no evil, say no evil, uh, hear like see no evil. Shh. The three monkeys that hold like their front, they hold their hands in front of their face, their ears, and their mouth. No, but I mean, keep going. Okay, okay. Well, a lot of people know them. You, you'll easily find them on, like, if you go on Facebook, check through your emojis or any phone with emojis, you'll find those three monkey faces everywhere. Because it's, uh, it's like a, it's a, I don't know where it's from. It's something. Uh, it's basically a lot of like to look at them as uh, deep because it's like, 
oh, they're so good. But some people look at them as uh, apathetic. Because, uh, like, yeah, say no evil, see no evil, hear no evil, right? Yeah. You're, 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 I, basic, I you're basically just isolating yourself. You're, you're taking yourself out of the equation. Yeah. But I heard that there used to be a fourth monkey that people just kind of didn't use. <laughs> and that monkey is like, do no evil. And that's a monkey sitting on its hands. See, that, I've, I've, heard, I've heard hear no evil, see no evil, and say no evil, but I've never heard of it framed as monkeys. Like, there's a movie. Uh, it's, uh, I think it's, it might be an Indian thing or something like that. Yeah, that sounds like a, a fable or a proverb of some kind. Yeah, I think so. Um, whenever you see uh, see that uh, in sculpted form, like it, when it's not an expression or painted, it's always monkeys. It's three monkeys. Like it's like paperweights, bookends. What the hell? There's but a, there's a fourth monkey, and that's do no evil. There's a Gene Wilder and Richard Pryor movie called uh, "See No Evil, Hear No Evil," and Richard Pryor is blind, and Gene Gene Wilder is deaf, and there's a murder. They're clerks at a store, and there's a murder in their store. And one person heard the gunshot but didn't see it, and the other saw perhaps the legs of the woman who did it, but didn't hear anything. And it's I don't know, it's a comedy. It's good. Uh, that, it sounds sounds like a court case that the murderer. <laughs> it's it's a funny movie. I don't know. I, I remember liking it. I mean, eyewitness testimony is already uh, like just fucking unpredictable, and like you can't trust people's memory. But then you have like two different people and you're going to collect their senses into an image. Oh, Jesus Christ. She's getting away with murder. Literally. Oh, well, the characters get get caught up in bringing down an in- international crime syndicate or something. I don't remember how it goes, but it's. Oh, holy shit. They, that, that's great. They just they were just missing a mute guy and a guy with amputated hands. <laughs> but yeah, OK, digression aside, what were you actually saying? OK, so what I was saying was in the mid to late 1800s cops began painting themselves with the help of the wealthy and, and a lot of, you know, PSAs of the day. The, the Wait, idea... polish on their faces? Is that how they painted themselves? Because that's what I feel like you're going to say. No, no. They uh... were trying to present themselves as people who were vigilantes going after justice for the greater good. You know, going after these criminals, minor, the minorities and people they were keeping in line um, were the ones that were trying to bring society down. They were dangerous for society. There was, was a common phrase of the day, the dangerous classes. And the dangerous classes. The dangerous classes was a really common phrase. And the idea was that there are dangerous classes that only the cops can deal with. And people started celebrating this idea of vigilante justice. And this... That's why Batman is so popular, isn't it? Yes, 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 it is. It's it's one of the big one of the big things that this line of thinking brought out is Batman. You have a rich guy who is beating up criminals at his discretion. He disc- decides who the criminals are. Yeah, and it's okay because he's a vigilante that we trust, even if. Other people are dying, and he refuses to give up his identity. You know, and all the all the plots of the public trusting Batman are essentially what a lot of cops were dealing, or what a lot of people who didn't trust cops were dealing with. Right. So, so, so Batman is just essentially like an ad for cops. Then, 
<laughs> well, well, I mean, it's probably not so, literally an ad for cops. Like, I don't think they had anything to do with the creation. No, but, that, Batman uh, stands like, for very because different. everyone was so hyped up on vigilantism back in the day. That was like, oh yeah, let's dip into this market. No, I think Batman stands for very different things, and I don't think you're supposed to see him as. But it's hard to separate him from cops, and it's easy to trace the things that makes Batman appealing back to the 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 cultural mindset that was developed on purpose during this time period in america the other thing that that came out of this cultural shift was the idea that some people deserve violence more than others which served the wealthy very very well when we get to the next part of american history around the 1900s late 1800s early 1900s which is when the suffrage and union movements were going so vote allowing women to vote and unions forming to have better working conditions better wages because remember this was also during america's first gilded age they were like the steel barons and all that the rockefellers and the winchesters i don't know i'm not like that first on uh, there's big names that uh, we people know about you know yeah, the, the the Gilded Age elite. I don't I don't know who they all, all were exactly. Yeah, but the big the big families, right? The, the, the Lannisters and the, the, the... <laughs> and the Greyjoys and you know. yeah, the Greyjoys and the Starks and all the big people. <laughs> so, going back to this idea that some people deserve violence more than others, and there are some dangerous classes that deserved the abuse. That's that was transferred onto unions when when unions started organizing and and you know remember at this time people were still working like 12 hour days the eight hour work day that we take for granted was born out of union resistance and those unions got shot got beaten got undermined they had you know they went after these people's bank account their life savings they they would destroy them if they could um the, the like the private like the pinkerton sort of uh special. oh i've heard about the pinkertons yeah I mean, those, that was another type of vigilante justice that was directed at unions yeah, yeah the pink the pinkerton company that was a very very scary like group of like basically mercenaries yeah yeah so i mean they, they were like a secret intelligence service and and who were they designed to protect they weren't designed to protect and serve unions or the poor or any any normal citizen i mean this was still at the time where there were a lot of people who believed if you didn't own property you were part of the dangerous classes like that was what separated kind of like rome you know yeah i mean that, that's kind of how rome behaved at the time yeah yeah like if you you owned land you got to vote yeah and more laws were passed during this time to prove exactly whose side the police were on there were things like the Tramp Acts. What the Tramp Acts did, Tramp Acts were passed all in, in cities and states all across the nation. And, and what Tramp Acts were, was they criminalized traveling if you didn't have any sort of support. So what it did what? was, what it, did, it, it prevented somebody who didn't have money from kind of being in a town. And it was sold as a way to stop like grifters and travelers from just blowing through your town and taking resources basically like these are outsiders don't don't let them have anything that we have but 
what they really were doing were they were criminalizing they're making it illegal for an unemployed person to have left their home if they're not actively looking for a job so that made going on strike illegal and police were rounding up uh, striking union people and throwing them in jail for being in poverty um there were uh, there were things called public order arrests and these these laws were clever because they were written to be very broad and general and the idea was the, these public order arrests were no reason arrests they were they were you're disturbing the peace type stuff and these were used to just get people off the streets or force like union leaders to spend time in jail so that way they couldn't organize um, they were used to break up organizations that were already in session um, with the help of curfew laws too, because there were those. Uh, and at one point in Chicago for a, a long multi-year period, up over 80% of all arrests were public order arrests. So police were spending four-fifths of their year arresting people for whatever public order means, however they interpreted that. And by this time, they were they were already seizing assets, because that was another thing that grew out of the late eighteen hundreds was was that was taking assets from people and just kind of keeping it, whether or not it's evidence or, or whatever, it doesn't matter. Um. So yeah, the, the horses and nightsticks came out in this period because nightsticks police needed something that was dense and heavy to you know, help with the mob, but usually they were using them to like break bones and, and, and smash in skulls. And there were police forces built entirely just to deal with unions. Sometimes entire police forces were converted into anti-union forces. Pennsylvania raised a 5,000 person army. Uh, it was 5,000 cops. They were called the Coal and Iron Police. And the coal and iron police were just used to fight striking workers. That was it. That was their whole purpose. Oh, this is so depressing. <laughs> and I mean, it, it makes me like it's it's easier to stomach it when it's in the past because you know it's like it's 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 uh, you know it's like a lack of historical em empathy. You know, yeah, it's easier to deal with horrible injustices that happened a long time ago. Sure. It's very, very disturbing to hear that it's still kind of going on. Well, and it, what, what's, it's also disturbing to see how there's a direct thread from saying, you know, these people deserve violence. Like, like you can connect those, the constables that were grifting the public to how the police be behaved during the 18th century and during the 19th century to today. I mean, the excuses that police give for shooting black people, um, for shooting citizens, or for, you know, cracking down on like poor neighborhoods are the exact same excuses that they were giving in 1880. And uh, I'm, I'm, I'm uh, like, I'm not, I'm, I'm, I'm not really, I'm not really a pro-violence kind of guy, but I just think that people should snipe them from their houses no no that is not a moot endorsed i live here man no it's it's endorsed uh, the moot podcast officially endorses people sniping police officers from their houses stop it oh my god no that is this not is, true this is our official stance 
it is not subject you're to change. You're going to get arrested. <laughs> it is not subject to change. It is our official stance. We believe it. And we believe it so strongly that Jeremy is willing to die for it. You know, I, you know I, I'm, the only thing I can say <laughs> is that you're giving somebody at the NSA a lot of homework. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they, they got to, you know, earn their pay too. Yeah. Yeah. Another uh, awesome surveillance thing that my tax dollars pay for. Uh, exactly. You want to get some bang for your buck. You can't just have those people sitting on their hands doing no evil. Yeah. So anyway, so, so cops go from like busting up unions to then when the civil rights era started and unions like, like FDR did the new deal, then it kind of shifted to civil rights and the police were just co-opted to deal with civil rights protesters. And then it brings us to the point where the police had such a bad image. They, they, they were thought of as like, pro bootlegging like prostitution running like thugs and into you know the public then, then you had the pr campaigns in the 60s and 70s which transformed cops into like good friendly law-abiding people that are here to protect you and the supreme court says very explicitly they don't have to <laughs> and they don't act like it you know it's it's interesting watching the protests over the last couple of years from, from, because, because uh, the Ferguson riots were really big. Those were in 2014. That was when Obama was still in office. And that was when Michael Brown died. Those were kind of big. And then George Floyd was even bigger, but watching the cops double down and, you know, be more fascist, be more violent, be more angry, and be less deserving of public trust is interesting. But at the same time, looking at the thread of history, it makes perfect sense. This, of course, this is how they'll behave. Their, their whole history is rooted in protecting the wealthy, beating the lower classes, and stealing from the citizens. None of this is, is any different than how they behaved their entire existence in America. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, it's so depressing, man. <laughs> Well, thank you for sharing that depression because sometimes I have like a real existential, like I have moments where I'm like, and this is, these are just cops. The rest of the criminal justice system is also busted, but in totally different ways. Oh, let's not ever talk about that. <laughs> uh, let's just pretend it's all fine until we won't die, die. <laughs> I think that's the way to go. Oh, God. All right. Well, I do appreciate you listening because it's one of those things where I love my country and I think my country does. He's just saying this to the NSA. No, I'm saying this to myself. The NSA, <laughs> they, they've already collected everything on me. I'm sure they say you, you have to You have to say it just to stay afloat. <laughs> I'm not going to stop your monologue. Keep, go, go, keep going. Okay. I was going to say is that like we do have a lot of systemic problems, but if we can come to terms with those problems, if we can talk about them and people can be aware of how our country got this way, it'll make it not easy, but easier to fix it. Like people have to be aware of this stuff. I don't know. It's depressing, but it's, it's necessary to know at the same time. So that way, when some crazy shit happens, you're not like, well, this came out of nowhere because did it.
Yeah, you know, honestly, it always surprised me when I whenever I heard shit like the George Floyd stuff, I was like, "What? How is this happening? <laughs> like, uh, uh, what kind of human is able to fucking choke a guy to death when you're not like under threat?" Yeah, like how? how uh, like the guy didn't fuck your wife. Right. He hasn't stolen one of your kids. Why are you so mad at him that you want to kill him? Right, and America doesn't have to be perfect to be awesome like there we are very flawed but it, it it drives me nuts when people try to say that america is the best or we shouldn't talk about it or that history is destroying what america's image like that that's the difference between patriotism and nationalism nationalism is is saying your country's the best no matter what that's like kim, kim jong-un shit and then there's patriotism where you care about your country and want to make it as good as possible yeah, yeah, I've heard that too. No. Nationalism means something completely different in Norwegian, though. Uh, but uh, no, when we say nationalism, it's more like it's uh, it's it's just basically patriotism. Okay. Yeah, uh, but that's just because because uh, um, you guys don't have to have that distinction. We have a yeah. We have a different history. We have a different history. We were we were uh, uh, vassalized by Denmark and Sweden for you know ages, uh, hundreds of years. Yeah. And uh, when we had our nationalistic period, we freed ourselves and uh, we uh, reclaimed our cultural heritage and everything. That's cool. Yeah. So uh, nationalism is very different uh, here, yeah. but uh, yeah, you never really hear people use either word ever <laughs> only people who ever talk about nationalism as far as i i know are people who speak english uh or i guess i guess people people who read news from the net and then translate it to norwegian because i do I, I do i am familiar with this this definition of nationalism uh but in general, when people talk about it and they, they it, it's just contained within the country, it's mostly like a history teacher talking about why, you know, Scream is painted the way it is or like why Edvard Grieg uh, played the songs he played. Like Edvard Grieg was a nationalist, you know? Yeah. Uh, but not the kind of nationalist <laughs> we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. No. No, we're we're just we're discussing something that's very very. Uh... Yeah. Oh, for those who don't know who Edward Grieg is, you do know who he is. He's the guy who made uh, all those famous songs that you heard in Looney Tunes, like, dun, 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 you know, etc. In the Hall you know? of the Mountain King. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Double Gibbons Hall. Uh, and also uh, Morgenstern. You guys were. Uh, I can't sing. Uh, <laughs> sorry to everyone who listened to that. <laughs> Man, I mean, I, you you can't convince me that if Norway is real, you can't convince me that it's not Skyrim. <laughs> well, you know, they t- <laughs> they emulated us as well as they could. <laughs> I'm starting to think that I'm talking to some nutter in like New Mexico. <laughs> Norway's not a real country. <laughs> I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, I, 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 I do feel like this. We, I, I was trying to mimic what Mexico, like New Mexico, is like in Texas, but I have no fucking clue what it's like. 
Oh, you've seen Breaking Bad. Okay, 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 yeah. Isn't that Albuquerque? That is, yeah. Albuquerque, New Mexico. Wait, 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 what you got? But it's in Texas, right? No, Albuquerque's in New Mexico. Is New Mexico a state? Yeah. I thought it was a city in Texas. No, no, New Mexico is a state right next to, well, close to Texas. Mexico, I hope. <laughs> and Mexico, it's on the border of Mexico. It's It also oh. borders on Texas. Oh, well, my ignorance is showing. I, I, I legitimately thought New Mexico was one of the larger cities in Texas. No. Well, you know, anyone who judges me, you probably thought Norway was a city in Sweden, so fuck off. Let, let me help you. I only knew <laughs> that Oslo was in Scandinavia somewhere. I didn't even know it was in Norway. And I couldn't have told the difference between Norway and Sweden before we started hanging out. So I'll give you, like... No, that's, that's I don't fair. expect you to know all 50 states. No, that's fair. Thank you. <laughs> uh, Jeremy to the rescue. <laughs> I'm here for you. I got you. Uh, you're sweet, Prince. Uh, okay. All right. Well, this has been Moot. Please follow us on Twitter at, at the Moot Podcast and visit us at the Moot subreddit. Also, hug a loved one. Yes. And, you know. This fucking episode. <laughs> Bye. Bye. <laughs>